You know, people talk about the red pill, the red pill. Well, the Epstein case is a prime opportunity for the general population to take the red pill about the reality of political power. Said red pill, not necessarily taken orally, because going down this rabbit hole, man, I'm telling you, at the bottom, if there is a bottom, there ain't no bunny. For those who have just joined the conversation, thank you so much and welcome. You can find my work on the Epstein case going back quite a while at fdrurl.com forward slash Epstein. That's fdrurl.com forward slash Epstein. The link is below, as of course, other links to what I'm talking about today. Some wild stuff coming out about this sordid and vicious and virtually satanic case. We're going to start back in time. This sort of reminds me of the British police's inaction in protecting thousands and thousands of little white British girls from Pakistani child rapists going back to the 1970s. So here, more than two decades before Jeffrey Epstein took his own life, a woman went into a California police station and filed one of the earliest sex crime complaints against him that he groped her during what she thought was a modeling interview for the Victoria's Secret catalog. The woman's name is Alicia Arden. She said she never heard back from investigators about her complaint. No charges ever came of it. And to this day, she sees it as a glaring missed opportunity to bring the financier to justice long before he was accused of sexually abusing dozens of teenage girls and women. So Arden, an actress and a model, said, if they would have taken me more seriously than they did, it could have helped all those girls. It could have been stopped. Now, this, of course, is a huge problem in contemporary law. I mean, it always has been a problem in law that he said, she said stuff. It's private. There are no witnesses. There are no records. There are no bruises. There are no cuts. There's no semen. There's no ripped vagina. There's nothing other than her word versus his. And that is a huge problem. And of course, a lot of society's resources were devoted to preventing or avoiding this kind of problem of he said, she said, because it's unresolvable. It doesn't arise to pass the barrier of proof beyond a reasonable doubt, which is like 95% certainty. And so... You know, we used to have chaperones. We used to have no sex before marriage. You used to have to leave the door open. Uh, one foot of the girl always had to be on the floor if there was a bed in the room. Like, there used to be all these things. We just kind of said, ah, forget all that. And now we've got all this kind of chaos. So, May 12, 1997, this woman says that she encountered Epstein. She was 27. She had a couple of TV credits, including Baywatch and Red Shoe Diaries. So, well, I guess she wasn't exactly perusing the Stanislavski method. So she says she sent modeling portfolio shots to Epstein's New York office after hearing from a mutual friend that he could help get her into the Victoria's Secret catalog. Of course, at 27, you're really pushing the envelope there. So he followed up by asking to meet her and his secretary booked an appointment for the two at a beachfront hotel. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know whether women are this naive or not. I genuinely don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely straight. I don't know if women are this naive. When you say to a guy, here's some half-naked pictures of me, and he's like, yeah, I'd like to see you in person at a hotel. It's like, okay, first of all, you never go alone. Secondly, you don't go to anything other than an office with glass walls. I mean, come on. This is like... Anyway, so she said, I always was sending my resumes and pictures around to people who owned magazines. I never thought that it would be bad to go and see him. Come on. I mean, seriously, you're making money off your sex appeal. You're making money off your sex appeal. And the fact that there would never, you'd never have any concern or any problems or any issues, I mean, I don't know. It just seems odd to me. And I'm not blaming the victim here. It's totally wrong. Totally wrong to, to do what he did. 
But come on, you know, nature gave you massive sexual appeal to men so that you could lock down a quality man for marriage and babies. Just using it to make money and serve your vanity by displaying your TNA to the masses? I don't know. Anyway, so she says, uh, when she showed up, well, the article says, when she showed up, she found Epstein barefoot and clad in sweatpants and a t-shirt with USA on the front. He started criticizing her figure and asked her to come close to him so he could evaluate it. According to accounts, Arden gave in interviews with the AP and in her police report. He then asked her to undress and assisted in pulling her top off and skirt up, saying, let me manhandle you for a second, as he began groping her buttocks. Pretty sure she did undress, and you're going to a hotel with a man you've never met before, who you've sent titillating photos to, you're taking off your top. I mean, come on, again, what he did was wrong, but... You know, it's kind of like uh, if I leave my wallet on a park bench, whoever steals it is wrong. But maybe I shouldn't leave my wallet on... Okay, yeah. So uh, she says she pushed his hands away and left. He was bigger than me, she said. I felt like it could have been bad if I didn't leave. One detail she showed, uh, she told the AP that was not in her original complaint was what happened as she left the hotel room. She said Epstein spontaneously pulled out $100 and tried to give it to her. An offer she refused because she felt he was treating her like a prostitute. But after he followed her out to her car, she took it because she needed gas. Again, I don't want to blame the victim here, but come on. I won't take this money that's treating me like a prostitute. Oh, I need gas? Okay, I'll take it. Now, the police say she didn't want to press charges. She says that she did, and... Anyway, so if this had been pursued, what would have happened, I assume, is the police would have uh, talked to him uh, and they would have put out feelers to see if anyone else had similar stories. Uh, they would, of course, establish, have established her presence there. This is for GPS, but, you know, whatever, right? Maybe you check if he had that kind of T-shirt. And then if you have a bunch of women coming forward with similar stories, which they haven't colluded with before to make similar like they did with John Gameshi, then you can begin to build a case. But none of this happened. So that's... A missed opportunity and, you know, just a, a warning to women. When you're in the beauty industry, and we'll get to this a little bit later, when you're in the beauty industry, you're in constant danger of assault. And don't, don't, don't go into the beauty industry. It's, it's, it's vile. It's gross. Anyway, you need a piece of meat. Now, this is the other thing that's just blowing my mind at the moment. So Jeffrey Epstein signed a will two days before he died, leaving behind nearly $600 million in a trust. And... Without getting into all the details of the will, I'll link you to the full will below. It's worth reading. But, okay, so Jeffrey Epstein had tried to kill himself two weeks prior, had complained or, or exclaimed his fear that people were trying to kill him. He kills himself, according to the autopsy report, two days after signing this will. What, what possible sense does this make in any sane universe? Because if you are signing legal documents, the first thing you have to be is of sound mind and body. Now, this guy had tried to kill himself, was paranoid people were trying to kill him, and two days after this, he killed himself. Again, I'm no lawyer, but how could this possibly stand up in a court of law? Wouldn't it be the simplest thing in the world to say, well, no, he was tried to kill himself, he was paranoid, thought people were trying to kill him, then he did kill himself. Of course he wasn't of sound mind. Ugh, anyway. Now, another thing that, that, and so, you know, why would, why would his lawyers say this? So they would say, take their money. I guess they're taking their money, right? Pound of flesh. Now, here's something else. It's pretty wild. So Jeffrey, this is from another article. Again, link below. Jeffrey Epstein had very few people he could turn to in his final days. When he needed a backup to handle his estate, he named a little-known biotech venture capitalist 
named Boris Nikolic in his will, but apparently without Nikolic's knowledge. Nikolic said he was shocked after hearing from Bloomberg News of his inclusion in Epstein's will. He said, I was not consulted in these matters, and I have no intent to fulfill these duties whatsoever, according to a statement provided by his spokeswoman. Oh, to be big enough to have a spokeswoman. A former science advisor to... <laughs> Sorry, that's the reaction I had when I first read it. A former science advisor to Bill Gates, like he was his chief scientific uh, advisor to Bill Gates and I think for his foundation, Nikolic was part of a circle of scientists who Epstein had cultivated in recent years, especially in biotechnology. He was an immunologist who did his postdoctoral work at Harvard, moving in a well-connected social and academic world that Epstein coveted as a wealth manager. Isn't that wild? So Epstein transferred his assets, valued at $578 million, to a trust just two days before he hanged himself alone in his cell as guards reportedly slept. Check their drinks. The transfer obscures details about where his money will go and may make it harder for his alleged victims to recover potential damages. Nikolic is named as a successor executor, meaning he would take control of Epstein's estate if the named executors, Darren K. Indyke and Richard D. Kahn, can't fulfill their duties. So, okay, does, does Epstein have a relationship with this guy? If so... I'd, I'd be curious, wouldn't you? I mean, it's sort of like the Clintons. Like, when you know a serial pedophile and sex trafficker and you, and you name it, you, you got to question your own judgment. It's like Hillary Clinton. It's like, how many, how many rapists do you know? I mean, if the answer is more than zero, that does not speak well to judgment as a whole. So if, is there a relationship? Well, yeah, I, I'd kind of like, like to know what it is. If there's not a relationship, right, I mean, if, if I think they met in 2013 or whatever, like if there's no relationship, then the will is further invalidated, in my obviously amateur non-legal opinion, the will is further invalidated because Epstein is putting randos in his will saying you get to be the successor executor. Well, again, invalidating the will completely. And really, he had no people he could call on Epstein. I mean, wasn't Prince Andrew remaining friends with the guy even after he was convicted? of being a sexual predator, that's Epstein, uh, because Prince Andrew said, I'm loyal to my friends. I won't give up loyalty to my friends. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, my belief is that Epstein just had footage. Right? And there's, now there's this mysterious French modeling agent who's been accused of being a procurer of young girls to Epstein. His whereabouts is currently unknown. And that just really want to remind people, stay away from the hormonal flesh-based meat market of the beauty industry. You know, there's, it peddles a lot of outward beauty, but there's very little more ugly in the world than the beauty industry.